You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in beautiful West Monroe, alongside from the Washita Citizen, some fella named Jake Martin. Howdy. What's going on? We are one day closer to the football season starting. That's right. We're counting down every day. And I came across this, and it makes sense. So this is actually going to be the final weekend we will not have football till when? February. Oh, that, that is just so good to hear. Even if it's preseason football, exhibition you know, football next we week. Go th- I feel like I go through this with people every year, but I was like, oh, preseason football. It's such a tease. It's still football. It's better than no football. I say it all the time. Football is like pizza. Is preseason football for you, Jake, better than the World Cup? Yes. A hundred times over. I say it all the time. Football is like pizza. Yeah, there's better pizza than others. But at the end of the day, pizza's pizza, and I like pizza. And I'll eat it from just about anywhere. So I'll watch football. I'll, I'll, if I'm flipping it, it, during the summer and I come across a CFL game, yeah. I'm going to stop and watch the CFL game. I would make the argument uh, Johnny Manziel could play this weekend for Montreal if I could find it. And if I was flipping oh, yeah. around, I would watch that. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd plan my weekend around it, but if I came across it, yeah, I'd, I'd spend the rest of my evening or afternoon watching it for sure. ESPN Classics and others continue to rerun old, great games. Yeah. How often do you sit through one of those? Uh, a couple times a week, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just got done watching uh, State and Alabama again. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and what they have on the other day? Uh, uh Arkansas and A&M. I watched yeah. a little bit of that one, too. So, yeah, I, if that's on, if I'm flipping and I see football, I'm stopping and I'm watching it. So, thankfully, uh, this is the final weekend without football. We do have, of course, media days. They continue, and uh, they have now wrapped up down in New Orleans for the Sunbelt Conference media day. we got plenty of sound we'll share with you uh, later in the show from ULM, including I did not realize this, and Paul Letlow did a, a fabulous article on the ULM website Marcus Green, we all know what he did last year, All-American kick returner. I did not realize that he he was a tr- he graduated. So yeah. he had the opportunity to bolt ULM and play immediately. And I'm sure there was a few few people out there in, you know, going different routes to try to get a hold of Marcus Green and say, "Hey, you know, you could leave ULM and be eligible immediately somewhere else." And Marcus Green went in there to coach Viator and said, "Don't sweat it." This university's the only one that really took a chance on me coming out of high school. I'm going nowhere. Wow. What a great story. I mean, you're right. I'm sure he had plenty of opportunities after that breakout season he had last year. But to stay and, uh, you know, be committed to, to ULM, that's that's pretty cool, man. That, that, that makes you want to root for him even more as a ULM fan. Uh, those media days have wrapped up. Big Ten media days continue, right? Or did they wrap up yesterday? You know what? I don't know. Uh, what I do know is Harbaugh, of course, he was the center of, of media days. He had a couple of interesting things to say yesterday, and one of those things was he wants the, the playoff to expand, mm. which gives us a, an excuse to talk about this yet again. Aaron, my opinion I think you know this. I think I've talked about this before. I don't want it to expand. I want it to stay at four. And I've made the argument that I wouldn't mind it expanding. I could see six or perhaps eight, and I know you're going to come back. Well, then what's going to hold out number nine and number ten, and you're going to have this debate no matter how many teams sure. you put in it? Sure. Uh, my only – the, the thing that I would be more open to, Aaron, is six – if you did it this way, if you had every conference champion and you had the top ranked group five, I would be open to that because then your conference championships mean something again. You know, they are important yet again. And um, whoever's the the top two teams, they can have a bye, Right. And I know you're, you're expanding the season just just one more week. Um, and just to throw the group of five a bone. Yes. Cause I, cause that's the thing. Like you do want to figure out my. These are the two two things that I had. My ideas, that th- that what I just laid out with the six teams, I'd be cool with that. Or you keep it as it is and you do a group five playoff, and you have a group five champion. 
and I think that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I and and you know that's more football. So I I really want that to happen. You know, you have the top four group five teams in the country. Man, people are going to tune in to watch that, right? I mean, it's not going to be like the NIT to where most people don't really tune in to watch the NIT. If you've only got, you know, eight quote-unquote playoff teams and they're all vying for something, you know, whether it's FBS, I mean, whether it's Power 5 or or Group 5, yeah, I think people are going to tune in and watch that. I, I'm going to. I, I can speak for myself. So, all right, so then you take it from six to eight, and then you get into the whole yeah. dynamic where you're talking about two lost teams, and that keeps LSU least in the hunt through November. See, yeah, I know you're trying to make a joke here, but I don't like that because I like it when you have uh, – when you can withstand multiple losses and still make the playoff, it does harm the regular season. Mm. Now, a guy like me, I'm going to still watch every single game I can. But I think – more people are going to be, you know, I, I guess more inclined to, to skip out on some games. Because at the end of the day, you're going to be like, well, it doesn't matter if they lose this game. They can still be in it with one loss. And then comes down the road again. Oh, well, two losses. You know, it's eight teams getting in. We still have a shot. I don't love that. I, I like every single week, oh, we got to win this one. Oh, we got to win this one. So, for me, that's what I've always loved about college football. And I don't want that to change. Shocker that Jim Harbaugh is creating headlines. Oh, well. Like, pushing his uh, platform. Yeah, but I, I do like that. I mean, if you're going to talk about this topic, the summer's the best time to do it. Did you uh, did he have any comments about Shea Patterson? I'm sure he did. Uh, he asked about Shea, um, and he, he actually said that he got to work out with them in the spring. I think that was the, the biggest takeaway from it, that he worked out with them in the spring. Oh. Yeah. Ben says, only way I'd be for a group of five playoff is if the champ got a shot at the Power Five champ. Yeah, see, that would just be... David versus Goliath. I, I mean, I, w- I think it would be cool, but that would be too much, you know? And then you would have others saying, well, why did Group Five champion get to play for a championship when they didn't have to go through Alabama, uh, Clemson? You know what I'm saying? There's always going to be something. There's always going to be an argument against whatever's proposed. Hmm. I do like when new coaches go to these media days and they try to uh, temper the expectations a little bit. That is certainly what Scott Frost is doing, speaking of playing, getting an opportunity or not getting an opportunity to play for a national championship at Central Florida. Yeah. Frost now at Nebraska says, we got to fix everything. we got to fix the talent. We've got to fix the depth. Keep adding to what we have. He did bring up the point that uh, Nebraska is not what it used to be in terms of name recognition says, the parents all remember Nebraska is Nebraska. A lot of the kids don't. It's our job to change that. It's our job to make sure that the next generation remembers Nebraska for what it is and what it should be. I'm going to be 27 this year. I barely saw Nebraska at its highest. So do you think any of these kids have any idea how good Nebraska used to be? So that he's got a point there because I, I mean, I barely saw it, mm-hmm. and these kids are, you know, eighteen through twenty years old. So, yeah, he, he's he's making a lot of sense. Other headlines: Where else could you have a baseball press conference in July, and anybody would really care? College baseball press conference. At LSU, man, yeah. uh, at LSU. So, that's got to be the only coach in America that has a press conference in the middle of the summer, and there's interest. Probably. Yeah, yeah I, I believe that. Um, but but you're right. The interest is there. So in yesterday's press conference, he basically talked about the schedule and talked about his uh, his incoming recruiting class. And, man, it, we knew coming into this press conference that Maneri was sky high on him. And, of course, it didn't take long for people to see that yet again. Mm-hmm. He, he said he believes it's the best in the nation. Mm-hmm. He said that it's a championship caliber class. Um, so now he builds him up, and then he's going to have to tear him down. Well, yeah, probably. But ultimately, I mean, if you go back to last year's press conference that he had at the same time, he was more so talking about the, the players that left. It's completely different this year. He was hyped about the players that they got and the players that they kept from going and playing uh, professional baseball. So he's excited. Uh, Ten already in summer school, including Rustin's own C.J. Willis. Uh, he, of course, is the only position player there, uh, you know, because he, he had to miss a lot of the spring with his uh, with his injury. So, 
<clears throat> yeah, he's excited, man. You look at this roster and what they return, it's going to be a great year for LSU. LSU's absolutely loaded. The only thing that's really stood out to me was the fact that we had this conversation numerous times on this show with Bruce Petty, and Coach Petty was like, yeah. I'd love to play LSU. He won't uh, respond to my texts. He won't respond to my <laughs> emails. He won't respond to my snail mail. Well, guess what? LSU opens up with ULM yeah. next year. <laughs> awesome. Get Petty out of there. Maneri's all about playing the Warhawks. That's right. <laughs> I, I love it, though. I think that's awesome, the fact that they're going to open with uh, ULM. They're going to be part of the Military Appreciation Weekend. Uh, also, Army and Air Force will be down at the box. February 15th, ULM versus LSU. Yeah, and, and more big news from it. A lot of people had a lot to say about Tulane and LSU canceling their, their home-and-home series. And Maneri, it's a long story, but Maneri went into basically saying that other schools around the state are asking why are they getting the special treatment because Maneri – the way he views in-state schools, he wants them to come play at LSU every year, and then every fifth year or so, he'll go and play at that school. And he says they can keep all the money. We don't have to split anything with us. Uh, they can use that to boost their athletic program. So people, Other schools are saying, why do you give Tulane such a great benefit playing home and home with them every year? It was because of the Katrina deal. When he got there, he wanted to help them out because of Katrina. Um, and now it's so far removed. He, he said it, every year it gets tougher to kind of um, give that argument. He did throw a little shade uh, to Lane's way. They are still going to play the Wally Pontiff Classic uh, in 2020 for uh, years to come. But he did say to Lane when they would play down there, to Lane would jack up their prices from 5 to $10 per game up to 35 And he would say there was literally 80 85% of the fans there would be LSU fans. Yeah, but that's look, that's part of it. They can do what they want. They're hosting. That's part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Other headlines. Other headlines. Um, so a little a, a quick UFC one tonight. Nick Newell will be play, will be fighting in Dana White's um, contender series, which is this is a, a fight that if you if you win and you look impressive, you get to go into the UFC. If, if you'll recall, Greg Hardy fought in this a couple weeks back, knocked out his opponent in the first round, and he's on his path toward getting into the UFC because of it. Nick Newell, why this is interesting, why I'm bringing this up, is he has one arm. He has one arm. He's a one-arm fighter, and he's been able to stack wins on on the regional circuit. Uh, He's a very impressive fighter. He's a very dangerous fighter. But this has been something that's kind of gotten mixed reviews in the MMA community because some feel like, what if a high kick comes? How can he block it? You know, as he, and that's that's part of it, and that's one of the reasons why Dana White has said in the past that he'll never fight in the UFC. But Dana always goes back on his word, and now Nick Newell, with the with an impressive win tonight, can be in the UFC. You were bragging about Joe Rogan uh, last week, and then I sent you some video of me working on the heavy bag. <laughs> yeah, you were not as impressed. Whoa. <laughs> The technique was off the charts, Aaron. I was very impressed. Did you call me a striker? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's call you a wrestler. How about that? But uh, I just thought I think that's interesting yeah. if you're if you're interested in that. Uh, what channel is that on tonight? Well, the problem is it's on something <laughs> called Fight Pass, and you got to pay for it. Come so. on, Jake. Who in the right? Who's gonna have Fight Pass? People are gonna. You can listen. If there's a will, there's a way. You can stream it. Somehow. How much? How much should that run you? Uh, was it like eight ninety nine a month? I think yeah. you don't even know because you, just as you said, I, I, there's a way to find exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, um, we are your home for the Houston Astros. They did not play last night. They had the night off. They will square off against the Rockies today. That is your Houston Astros update. Hey, John Tabor, how about uh, Rizzo? Anthony Rizzo uh, pitching last night makes his major league debut on the bump. Two pitches. I think the first pitch was uh, about a. 58-mile-an-hour fastball, and then he uh, really digs down deep on the second one, throws a 62-mile-an-hour. It creates a uh, pop-up. So basically Rizzo has an e- a career ERA of zero. Pretty cool. He does not throw his arm out. Well, con- considering they threw three position players this past weekend against St. Louis, I can't really say I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. And it's still got the, the L on the board, so. But you don't burn up your pitching. That's right. And just as long as these position players don't throw their arms out. Who was that back in the what, day? What, what did you clock him at again? 
think he's going to throw his arm out. 62, yes. <laughs> I, I feel like I could get a ball up there at 60 miles an hour. Oh, we need to go to the carnival. Yes. yes. No, we don't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Other headlines, Jake. What are we missing? Uh, Thomas Moorhead. This is a cool one. Uh, one of our favorite Saints players, Thomas Moorhead, he had a pull-up challenge to raise awareness for a former Saint employee who was battling cancer. He did 418 pull-ups in an hour. Mm. Pretty cool. Yeah. By the way, the Saints, the veterans report to camp tomorrow. A few of the headlines. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pen Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Obviously, we've got plenty of sound from uh, Sunbelt Conference Media Day. You'll hear from uh, Marcus Green, also uh, David Griffith, outstanding linebacker for ULM. Fox and uh, Nick had an interview with uh, Coach Viator and a number of other coaches. We'll share those with you. If we don't get them to them today, we certainly will during the course of the rest of the week. Yes, plus we've got to dive back into movies. We've got round two today. And, Aaron, there are a couple of big-time matchups, one of them being... Rocky versus Remember the Titans. Oh, we need to get into the results from day number one. We can do that in the next segment. Gus Cattengill will join us at 8 o'clock. Your calls, your texts, always welcome. It's called the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote and see how the power of choice can help you save on home and auto insurance. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Rolls along. We're back after this. Let me ask you a question here. Very candid question, Jake. Oh, I like these. So yesterday, I got stung by a wasp on my bicep, and it's all... Swole? Yeah. So would you would you take that if you knew, you know, to make your bicep look a little bigger if a wasp would sting you a couple times? Okay. As vain as you are, I know. No, because you I, have think a photo it's shoot. Always, I think it always looks funny when a guy is walking with huge biceps and nothing else is big on him. <laughs> um, this is, uh, you might want to put the curls down, sir. <laughs> the huge biceps and the no calves. All right, let's focus. Like let's, let's do some, some burpees. Let's, uh, let's do some squats. I am playing in pain this morning. Yeah, you keep grabbing that arm. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it up. My gracious. I could just see, hey, sting me right here. I want to make my biceps look bigger. Yeah, because that's, that's <laughs> me. That's what I do. Anyway, um, you want to go movies or more headlines first? Uh, let's go a couple more headlines. I So uh, here's one that's all like Aaron. Bet DSI has come out with their quarterback. Now, what is Bet DSI? It's a, it's a, well, I'll, take, I'll give you one guess. Yeah. It's about sports gambling. All right. Uh, they have listed their odds-on favorites to win each quarterback uh, battle in the country. And in that was LSU. I'll give you also one guess as to who they had as the favorite to win the job. Uh, obviously Joe Burrow. Good job. Joe Burrow, plus 130. Second is Miles Brennan with plus 270. This is interesting. Third is Lowell Narcisse with plus 360. <laughs> and fourth is Justin McMillan with plus 510. McMillan, Why not take the flyer on him? Yeah. McMillan looked the best in the spring, right? right? What if somebody gets hurt? What if, what if Burrow gets hurt what in camp? What happens if he continues to outperform him like he has in the That's spring? That's what I'm saying. Burrow gets hurt in camp, and then McMillan outperforms the other two. Make you some money. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Um, Gus Malzahn. Let me get into this real quick. He says that Auburn has the toughest schedule in the country. Now, Aaron, it is a tough schedule. I'll run through it real fast. They have they start out with Washington. Then they play Alabama State. Then they get LSU, Arkansas, Southern Miss, at Mississippi State, Tennessee, at Ole Miss, Texas A&M, at Georgia, Liberty, at Alabama. It's a tough schedule. It's not tougher than LSU's. LSU starts out with Miami. You can say Miami, Washington. That kind of cancels each other out. Both yeah. are very tough openers. Then LSU has Southeastern. Okay, that kind of cancels itself out with Alabama State. Mm -hmm. And then they play at Auburn, so obviously they're playing each other. So then um, 
Auburn plays Arkansas, and LSU plays Louisiana Tech. Mm-hmm. Well, after they play Arkansas, they play Southern Miss. I would say Tech is a tougher game than Southern Miss, mm-hmm. right? So then you've got the uh, common SEC West opponents. But here's why LSU's is tougher. Auburn gets a home game against Tennessee. LSU goes to Florida. Tennessee is in rebuild mode. Florida is going to be pretty dang good with Dan Mullen taking over. So they have to go back to the swamp. That's why I give the edge to LSU. Mm. But that said, Auburn definitely up there as far as toughest schedules in the country. Mm. Gus should not challenge your LSU Tigers. Should not challenge LSU's claim to toughest schedule in the country. <laughs> Uh, other headlines, uh, Tim Tebow, we thought we were expecting maybe him to get a late call-up as well as he's done in double-A baseball. It is 273 average, six home runs, and 30 RBIs, or maybe more importantly what he could do in terms of putting people in the stands. But nope, he's out with a broken hand. It looks like it's the end of the season for him, and there will be no call-up for Tim Tebow. That's unfortunate. I'm sure a lot of people are probably celebrating that, though just because they hate Tim Tebow. But, uh, yeah, I was I was rooting for him to continue to climb the ladder. Speaking of comebacks, uh, Josh Gordon, perhaps we could see him on the NFL field this fall. It's been quite a while. What was it, 2000 and? Well, he played last year, didn't he? A little bit, right? Was that last year or two years ago? We'll look it up. But uh, he gonna is going to miss a training camp or a portion of training camp for counseling. We all know, of course, his uh, past injuries that he, or issues. I shouldn't say yeah. injuries, issues that he's had. He had 18 receptions last oh, year. There you go. Yeah, 335 yards, but he didn't play a lot. I just remember him coming back and play, getting a little bit of playing time. David Robinson, I think everybody agrees, probably one of the nicest guys that's ever played uh, professional basketball, and uh, he takes a couple pop shots at Kawhi Leonard. What does that say about Kawhi Leonard? Or perhaps that it's just. Uh, Kawhi's just strange. All right, here's uh, David Robinson on ESPN's The Jump with Rachel Nichols. He's really, he's a hard guy. He's just quiet. He doesn't, I've reached out to him several times and never heard back from him. I think the only time that he, I think the whole time he's been here in San Antonio, I've talked to him maybe a handful of times. I believe it, yeah. And I can only count on one hand how many words he's really said to me. So he's just a quiet guy, and I think that's made it difficult, I think, for all parties to really understand each other in this process. Tim Duncan was a quiet guy, but Kawhi takes it to a whole nother level. That's why whenever they say Kawhi, L.A., and how it'd be a good fit. (laughs) No, sir. Showtime, Kawhi Leonard. Yes. (laughs) Yes. No, but Kawhi, like, you know how most guys, if, if, if most guys were in the situation that he was in, you would see something on Instagram, Twitter, something. They would have posted something by now. Mm-hmm. Kawhi is, like, off the radar. Like, he is so disconnected from from the world, which I think that can, that can be good. But when you're not responding to, you know, legends of the organization and you're having these difficulties with the coaches and all these stories are, 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 are just building about your relationship and how, you know, it's, it's failing, and obviously it did fail. My other question, Aaron, is – does Kawhi just not play for Team USA when, when that time comes around? Because Popovich is going to be the coach. That's going to be pretty awkward, right? I mean, you think Kawhi just kind of skips out on that? It's a heck of an opportunity to skip out on. Well, I mean, do you want to – I don't know. I feel like that res- relationship was so damaged now. Yeah. It's going to be an awkward uh, couple weeks. Uh, Robinson says, I mean, it's one of the oddest situations, things, oddest situations I've ever seen in pro basketball, he's a hard guy to understand. He's a hard guy to read. <laughs> yeah, that's putting it lightly. I mean, it, it's it's true. We've never really seen a superstar like this, and I and I think it's funny because Tim Duncan w- was quiet in a lot of ways. Like Tim Duncan wasn't out there making headlines with things he said, but Tim Duncan was at least compliant. Kawhi doesn't seem to be compliant. And finally, one other headline I want to get to before we get to the break, and, of course, we'll get into movies here in the next segment. You saw this story, and, of course, it's making its rounds about the lady having a kid in Chick-fil-A, and now Chick-fil-A has come back and said the baby can have Chick-fil-A for the rest of, I think it's her, her life. And then when she turns 15, she can have a job at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, the job part's a little weird, but Chick-fil-A, free Chick-fil-A for life. And the thing is, in West Monroe, the, the fact that Chick-fil-A is so close to the hospital, I mean, knowing a few people around here, you're thinking they're thinking, well, 
Perhaps we just stop at Chick Fil A and we can work out this deal also. <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? It worked for you. Would have you would have thought about that, right? Yes, dude. Like free Chick Fil A for life. That's a jackpot right there. <laughs> All right, uh, tease it, Jake. Coming up after the break, uh, our movies. What's the biggest matchup we now have in the second round? Oh, uh, there's no question. Rudy versus Hoosiers. Uh, Rudy versus Hoosiers, and Hoosiers is blowing Rudy away, and it's hurting my feelings. So. We got to make a last ditch effort for Rudy here. All right, we'll give you the results from uh, the week one matchups. I say week one, the round one matchups, and uh, what we're anticipating, of course, in round two. And then we look forward to top ten Thursday as we give you our top ten sports movies of all time. Sports movies week, baby. The morning drive is back after this. Movie week continues. Yeah, uh, before we get to that, forgot to read this text from Chris. It says, the story about Thomas Moorhead was for Chris Cordero, Ruston High School alumni. Uh, Chris is battling cancer for a second time. 888-993-7762, Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. Had a tremendous feedback on uh, social media and, of course, on the text line yesterday as we dive into this uh, sports movies we get into uh, Thursday, it inches closer, the big revealing or unveiling of our top ten sports movies of all time. Yes. So Jake had this great idea. Well, heck, let's just put it on Twitter, on our Twitter page. Let's let the people decide what their favorite sports movie is. And then we'll give our own list Thursday. So, yesterday. You went through and you found the top 20 movies according to? IMDb. Um, so, it's their list. Don't yell at us. And then we added a couple wild cards. We added two wild card matchups because we, we simply couldn't have Major League and Caddyshack and Sandlot, all those all those great movies left off. So. Ten Cup. Ten Cup. <laughs> less, less enthused about Ten Cup. <laughs> all right, so uh, the round one recap. Hoosiers beat the Karate Kid. That had over 100 votes. Nice. Awesome. Shouldn't have been even close, right? It wasn't close. Hoosiers was 70%. Rocky absolutely blew out a league of their own, 84% of the vote. And Rocky is the number two seed? Number two seed. Uh, number three seed, Field of Dreams, got 57% of the vote over Friday Night Lights. Um, do, is that a surprise to you? No. So I had a buddy, a buddy that I worked with who absolutely loved Friday Night Lights, and he actually texted me yesterday. He said, didn't see this until today, but you know your poll on sports movies made the biggest mistake imaginable. Nobody cares about building a baseball field and some corn <laughs> and freaky people walking out of stocks. Give the people what they want. Let booby spin. Let our hearts break for Winchell. Let our emotions go off the walls with Billingsley. And most importantly, let the preacher man make us want to run through a wall during his halftime speech in the state championship game. You touched a nerve. <laughs> he said, something must be wrong with these Louisiana people if they are going to make such a monumental mistake in voting. He, of course, is in Mississippi. I thought that was funny. Uh, he's uh, not a big fan of the Iowa cornfield. Well, he just Friday Night Lights is his all-time favorite yeah. movie, so I knew he'd have that reaction. Uh, and you've noticed that, too, on Twitter. There have been some oh people getting goodness. a little riled up. Oh, my goodness. People have been up. getting on me about this list. I'm like, it's not my list, people. I Thursday will be your list. Thursday you can get on me, but it's all subjective. Yeah. All right. Uh, number four, Raging Bull was upset, and it wasn't even close. Miracle, the 17th seed, got 72% of the vote. Hmm. So they move on. Uh, million Dollar Baby. I think that just has to do with Raging Bull because it's a little so dated old. now. Yeah, so old. Miracle is a good movie too. Oh, yeah, and it's you're talking about a movie about one of the most iconic sports moments ever. So yeah, I, I get that. Raging Bull, uh, 1980 when it came out. Uh, also, you know, De Niro, and, and he hasn't been very uh, popular as of late, hmm. especially you know around our parts. Uh, number five, Million Dollar Baby got 69% of the vote to beat your Breaking Away movie. Did you go back and watch Breaking Away? I yesterday? did not. Sure. No. No, no. The cutters. Okay. Uh, number six, The Fighter, thankfully moved on, got 56% of the vote to beat number 15, Glory Road. Number seven, Cinderella Man, got 72% of the yes. vote to beat Invictus. Yes. Shouldn't have been even that close. Aaron, I got some bad news for you. Number eight, Bull Durham. 74% of the vote beat out your Seabiscuit. 
Bye bye, oh. Seed Biscuit. Seventy four percent. Nobody got respect for Seed Biscuit. Bull Durham's a pretty good movie. These are good matchups. Yeah. Um, remember the Titans beat the Blind Side, which I was happy to see. Sixty nine percent of the vote there. Blind Side was a little bit too hokey for you. It was. I mean, you got Sandra Bullock walking on the practice field telling these coaches what to do. Why does that? That's, that if they would have, you got would have admitted that, that one scene, you would have been happy. Uh, I don't know if I would have been happy, but it, I could have at least stayed in the moment. When I saw that, I was like, "This is Hollywood trash." Well, that just this shows you how strong-willed she is. Oh, okay. And these coaches are just gonna let her come on the field and talk to yeah. them like that? Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. All right. Uh, moving on, Rudy. Defeated the natural. Rudy got 67%. Right. And then the first of our two wildcard matchups, oh. the Sandlot, defeated Major League. I hate that that was a first-round matchup. But Major League is done. I think I need to go back and watch the Sandlot to appreciate it. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Holds up, too. Uh, Caddyshack defeated Tin Cup. Mm -hmm. I was happy to see that, Aaron. What was, how close was that? 60% of the vote went to Caddyshack. All right, so here's our round two matchups. Uh, Bo, on the text line, of course, you can weigh in at 888-993-7762. Bo wants to know, no varsity blues? No varsity blues, Bo. Bo. <laughs> All right, round two. Hoosiers right. versus Rudy. Oh, what a huge matchup. We've already gotten 74 votes, and it ain't looking good. <laughs> Hoosiers have 64% of the vote. I'm going to go through these, Aaron. I want you to tell me which movie you favor. So Hoosiers or Rudy? Uh, Hoosiers. Really? Yeah. Why? I just like the, the, the story plot better, the development of the characters. Oh, my god! I mean, it's just, it's a period movie. I kind of like that, too. You put me to sleep. Yeah. I, w I was at Washtenaw yesterday, and the coaches really liked Hoosiers. So <laughs> it's like, guys. I think it's going to be a tough argument to win. It is. A lot of people like Hoosiers. I don't even think Hoosiers going to be on your but top I feel 10. Like, I feel like most – it's not. I feel like most people who like Hoosiers watched it decades ago or a decade ago and still just have this fond memory of it. And all I'm saying is rewatch it. Okay. Rewatch it. It's, it doesn't really hold up. It's very slow. Mm. It's hard. It's not very rewatchable. And uh, Rudy is so realistic. And you're rooting for a guy. Listen, By all accounts, you hear about him now or the what? You know, <laughs> I know. You know. I know. But I just take the character. Forget the real person. Okay. Take the character. Is it? Is it? Is it far-fetched? Sure. But I still go back to his, uh, his passion for college football, and I can just identify with that, man. And, and I think the whole movie is a love letter to college football, and that's why I love it so much. Mm. It does that very well. Jake can just see him being Rudy. That's it, yeah. Oh, we've got a tight one here. Right. Number two, Rocky. Got 51% of the vote against number 12, Remember the Titans. Which way are you landing uh, there? It shouldn't even be close. Rocky wins this going away. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Now, it may be one of those movies, if you want to go back to that argument, through the years it loses a little bit of its luster, but I think it's one of those all-time classics that holds up through time. Yes, I, I agree. And, and it's just the story. It's the underdog story that spawned this great, great franchise uh, that is still thriving today, thanks to Creed. Um Field of Dreams, number three seed over number eight, Bull Durham. They are getting 71% of the vote. Any shockers there? Any Field of Dreams over Bull Durham? Yeah. yeah. No shocker. Yeah, I, I think uh, Field of Dreams is going to be pretty high on my top ten. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, we need to start taking Miracle seriously because right now they are beating up on Cinderella Man. They have 69% of the vote over Cinderella Man. Is that – I'm assuming you, you – every time I talk about Cinderella Man, you're always like, oh, Cinderella Man. Are you upset that they're, they're getting beat right here? A little bit. And Richie says, I just voted. My fellow listeners are crappy movie critics. <laughs> <laughs> Second-round polls are hilarious. <laughs> well. And uh, Dwayne says, uh, Normandale is the boss and a great watch if you value basketball history. So you don't value basketball history. That's the problem, Jake. No, I, it's just 
it doesn't do it for me, man. I'm sorry. And I made a bid to get uh, Talladega Nights on this list. This is another text. Uh, Talladega Nights isn't the best movie, but it's one of the funniest sports movies. Yes, I agree. Is Talladega Nights funnier than Happy Gilmore? Yes. That, you said you that way can, too easy. Yes, you, you can watch Talladega Nights numerous times. Oh, and you can't watch Happy Gilmore numerous times? The voice just gets to me after a while. That's a fair point. <laughs> still, I still love Happy Gilmore. Uh, I like Talladega Nights as well, but I, I just think uh, you're a little bit too dismissive of Happy Gilmore. What are the other matchups in round two? All right, Million Dollar Baby is getting beat by the fighter. Got a boxing matchup there. Um, happy to see the fighter winning. And the wild card final, the Sandlot has 77% of the vote over Caddy. She's like, I think the Sandlot can win it all. I think they're going to be the dark horse here hmm. in, in this little tournament. 888-993-7762. And, Jake, what's the best way to people to enter the poll and, of course, make their votes count? All right. At Morning Drive 977 on Twitter. Go there. We have all of the polls. You can vote on each and every matchup. And, uh. Yeah, we look forward to seeing those results. Richie doesn't really like the results so far, so maybe some some more of you can get on there and change them. Is this actually helped our uh, following at all? We're over 200 followers. Woo-hoo! I mean, look, I don't want to, you know, get too excited, but 200 <laughs> followers, Aaron, we're big time And now. your wife has how many followers? Because that is the ultimate goal. I think like 350 okay, or something. Okay, we're going to catch her by the middle of football season. <laughs> I don't know. We might need a couple more years, but uh, we'll, we got a snail's pace going here. <laughs> Uh, hit us up, Stuart Shelby, Moosehead Insurance Hotline slash text line. You can weigh in. And, of course, on Thursday, Top Ten Thursday, our top ten movies of all time. And, of course, by then, we will have our winner from the listeners. The morning drive continues after this. We dive into Sunbelt Conference Media Days. You'll hear from Coach V coming up after the break. Welcome back to the morning drive. Coming off consecutive four and eight seasons, ULM enters this season with some high expectations Coach Viator, of course, going into his third year as the Warhawks head coach. Jake, you look back at last year and the number of uh, near misses that ULM had. And, of course, the, the fact that they finished 4-4 four and four in conference play with a number of star players returning. High expectations for this ULM team this year. I say high expectations. When we say that in relation to ULM, we're talking six, seven yeah, wins si- to be bowl eligible. Right, right, right. Uh we're all thinking bowl, right? And that is that is a high expectation compared to what's happened in the past. You're coming off of two or, or back-to-back four-win seasons. But the progression was there. You saw it, at least on the offensive side. The defense had some injuries that led to some uh, some not-so-favorable stats, if I'm putting it nicely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think if the defense can improve and the offense can give you what, it, what it's been giving you, it's it's not a stretch to say this team can win six games. Mm-hmm. And it's also not a stretch to say that this team can upset Southern Miss. I've been saying that all summer. I fully believe that, and I really cannot wait for that, that uh, second-week matchup. Uh, Sean and uh, Nick White were down at the Sunbelt Conference Media Day and had an opportunity to catch up with Coach V. Here's that hard-hitting interview. Welcome back. This is not Hawk Talk, although we've got the key pieces <laughs> yeah, to Hawk Talk. <laughs> Uh, the voice, and then this guy, the voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, the head coach of the Warhawks, Matt Viator. Coach, man, always appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate no, it. Man. It won't be long. We'll no, be doing. We'll this be doing is, the coach. This is, just a, this is the preseason game for Hawk Talk. <laughs> Spring game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we got to get a practice in, right? Actually, sitting across from you now, though, it's usually right on the side. Yeah. Of you, so. Well, don't worry. We'll be shoulder. You got to look at him more. Soon. I'm sorry. Yeah, you probably prefer <laughs> looking him to the side than face to face. Easy now. The, look, some some coaches they look clear, clearly you have to do this, but they look the last thing they want to do is this media day. How do you like this stuff? Actually, uh, I don't mind it at all, to be honest with you. Uh, especially when it's it's structured and it's organized as this is, and uh, you know it's a lot worse things I could be doing. So, no, it's nice, and uh, I think it's it's good. I enjoy visiting with the other coaches and uh, have an opportunity to meet some of the student athletes that you see. You know, put a face behind that helmet and things, you know, getting a visit with people in the media and stuff. So I, I kind of enjoy it. it ahead, you, you, get, yep. you get to interact with the coaches mm-hmm. a few times. This is this is one of the times, spring meetings, one of those times. And how nice is it to just, obviously, you talk a little ball with, with your colleagues, but just to 
just to visit with with your your coaching colleagues. Some you're going to be closer with than others, but just to get down here and kind of have this opportunity with you, with your colleagues. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I'm getting to know the guys in the league better. You know, because just been in here a few years, but uh, you know, adding a guy like Steve Campbell. I mean, we go way back, and uh, so I enjoy it. Uh, just a lot of really good people, you know, to, that that are around. Uh, getting to meet with the ADs and all that. I think what's always interesting, though, Nick, is you asked the question: is the spring meetings seem to be a little bit more relaxed than the than the fall meetings? You know, we're a week away from starting. Yeah, probably mean, a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, not that it, but you know, what I'm saying. I mean, and of course. You know, you go to Alabama where we go in, uh, in in May, and we got on shorts and shirt, and you know, sitting out by you know, sitting out by the pool and all that. And you come here, and you got a suit in town, and facing the media and everything. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit different. Nevertheless, it's still fun. Coach, we were talking just a few minutes ago. Uh, that I found the interesting stat that we were at Conference USA last week. We're at Sunbelt today, and those are the two teams that are not represented. The G five in the new year six and i think sometimes people could think well you know those those leagues they must be you know not very good there's some really good football teams in this league and this league has gotten more i think we're going to year 18 it's gotten better every single year and troy was an excellent football team as was arkansas state last season but i don't want to say it's impossible but it's it's awfully tough and we started looking at like the pac-12 that's who the mountain the mountain west plays their non-conference games you get where i'm going with this is it it's got to be difficult to try to do that, to be that team, when you have to play two or three SEC teams every year on top of your conference schedule. No question. And, um, you know, hopefully we can keep it at two. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, no doubt about it. You know, you have to play uh, two SEC teams or Florida State or somebody Same thing, like that. Right? Oklahoma yeah. Yeah. the year before. and um, But uh, no doubt it's challenging and stuff. But, uh I think when you look at it, really over the last couple of years, what our conference has been able to do in the bowl games, it's been really phenomenal when you look at it. Uh, I remember sitting there last year. I'm a big App State fan. I always have been, you know, back when I played them at McNeese. I just respect what they do and like it. So I wanted to watch the game. And I was looking, the ESPN stuff was before the game. And App State was like a seven-and-a-half, eight-point underdog against Toledo. And just, uh, I mean, it just awesome. – just really beat them physically and stuff. And you're sitting there watching them, and, wow, you know, we played them about a month ago. And But I think that's the level of football that we have now in the league, and that's credit to the coaches and players really before me that have kind of got us to this point. And, uh, you know, and all we're trying to really do is jump in there with them. Speaking of them and that game, I mean, that that's kind of the one you, you look back to last year and kind of hang your hat on and say, go and compete with anybody in this league. But, you had that one that was that was great, and then you had the others. There were so many close, you know, shoulda, coulda, wouldas last year as well. I mean, razor thin, the margin of error or the margin of, of being a 6-6, a 7-5 six and six, seven and five team to where you were in 4-8 and eight last year. You know, Nick, I think the big key for us, too, is I've been really, I guess I, I have hope and I have, a, you know, really excited because we've competed well in the league. You know, it's just we haven't won outside the league, and you know, we have to win outside the league, and, Last year going four and four, but when you look at the games, when you look back at the end of the year, I didn't realize we won four games. We won four close games. Mm-hmm. We lost four games. We lost four close games. <laughs> you know, so I say close. I mean, in the fourth quarter, probably the only one that was probably decided by the time we went to the fourth quarter was Texas State. Other than that, I mean, all these games, and we came back on Georgia State. I mean, if you remember, we had the ball down seven with two minutes left against Arkansas State. Yep. You know, we have an opportunity down what a – inside the five against Idaho, you know, we're in the game right late there. against South Al. So, you know, that's the good news that the four games we lost were close. But also, if you look at it, the four games we won were close. So, but, you know, so we've jumped in there. We've competed well in the league, and uh, hopefully we can continue to do that. But the same, by the same token, though, having a little success out of conference because you're going to have to if you're going to get to a bowl game. We have had most of your colleagues on today. And uh, we have discussed that this is really the first time since we've been coming down. We've been coming down for a long time. There was a time when it was just us and another radio station were the only ones coming. You look at how this whole event has progressed. But there is a noticeable buzz about your football team. And every coach we talked to, Nick, asked about playing and kind of got that lump in their throat talking about your offense. What's it like? I don't know how much you pay attention to what us guys say about preseason predictions, but having expectations. You know, I mean, I, I think it's great, but I come 
from the from the previous job I had, the expectations were there every year. Yep. You know, I mean, you were expected to win. So, you know, I'm kind of used to that, but I think it's a good thing. I don't really see people that rise to low expectations, so I think having high expectations are good. But uh, I was joking a little earlier, I guess. we, You know, I was asked that question. It was just ULM people, and, you know, it's better than two years ago. I was sitting there looking at it, and we didn't get one vote to finish second to last. I mean, every vote we got, because I was fit doing the math, we were sitting right, we yeah, were sitting right sitting here with me, and I was doing the math, and I went, wow. I mean, you know, because at the time it was 12 teams, so there was 22 votes. I mean, there's 22 people voting, and we had 22 points. So, <laughs> wait a minute. I mean, every vote we got was a last-place vote by every coach and every SID. So, I guess it's better <laughs> two years later. You know, at least we, uh, you know, every vote we got went last at least. So, But, you know, it's all, to me, it's all relative. I mean, if you look at it, it's kind of the way everything shook out last year. You know, that's, and traditionally what I vote for is, you know, when I turn around and vote for the next year for the order, I just vote how everybody finished last year because who knows? I mean, it's just, you know, and I hate to pick one team that's all of a sudden going to beat the other team that didn't necessarily. So I just kind of vote in the order where everybody finished, and that's kind of where it is. I think last year we were fifth, and, you know, I've seen us fourth or fifth depending on what you look at, and it's kind of indicative of what happened last year. We're going to talk to a couple of these guys coming up here in a little bit, but uh, you know Marcus and the year that he had last year, you know everybody's talking about his his special teams work, and you know I was glad he got the first team wide receiver preseason honor this year. Uh, he was phenomenal, you know, at the wide receiver position, and it got the the kickoff returns kind of overshadowed what he did. Huge weapon there on the offensive side with Caleb throwing to him, but. He's going to be keyed upon, and, Coach, I think it's going to open up those other great yep. weapons as far as the wide receivers and even Gore in the running game as well. Absolutely, and I think we have to continue too, which you know we did a few different things in the spring, but we have to continue to be creative in getting him the football. And uh, you know what you don't want, the, the good news is, is he has the ability to affect the game in a bunch of different ways. You know, what we don't want to be able to – what we don't want to get in a situation where somebody can take him out of the game you know, I'm not going to kick to him. I'm going to double cover him. So we got to be able to do different things and move him in different spots. But um, if you look at it, the other thing, too, that was different last year is I forgot what it was, 70 or 80 yards, but he had he had 70 or 80-yard plays in the, in the return game, in the run game, because he broke two reverses. South Alabama. And then also in the passing game. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, – I think the thing, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think he's a really good receiver, and that seems to – but what he has, I think he's worked really hard at this offseason to become a better route runner and, you know, getting in different spots and doing some stuff. And so I think he'll be a better player this year. With him being as explosive as he is in the return game, we have a new kickoff rule. I have to assume no matter what, you still want him to return the football. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I was actually – I'm actually on the uh, rules committee. Yeah. So I was a part of all that. And there were a couple schools that when you watched them on tape – I mean, they literally had a kicker that could kick it almost straight up and land it about the three or four, <laughs> you know, which takes a special kind of kicker mm-hmm. to do that. But we don't tend to – we don't plan on changing what we're doing. And we have a lot of confidence in Marcus. And we basically told him last year, if you're moving forward in the end zone, take it out. If you're moving back or you're standing still, leave it in the end zone. But the other thing that we're excited about, I know Marcus is too, is, you know, we have the, we have the ability now this year to put Marquise McCray back there with him, mm-hmm. who was actually the starter – who was the kick returner to start. So we'll have Marquise McCray on the other side, and, uh, and no, we're going to try to return him. Well, I remember one game, I think it was the Coastal Carolina game, Coach, where they tried to kick short to Marcus to, kind of with the new rules, and he burned him on that one too. I think yeah. he had a, it was a kick down to like the 22 or something. He, he burned him. I mean, he's such a great weapon in the kick game, but I was glad you brought up McCray coming back this year as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, so anyway, we'll have opportunity to put somebody on the other side of him that's – that's explosive as well, and, um, you know, so we're going to try to return them. And, uh, I mean, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to go into the season with that mentality. So we're not even really, unless, you know, unless we play a team that I think that's going to be a – we're not even going to bring it up. I mean, we're going to stay aggressive in what we're doing in the kick return game and, and try to make a difference there. I know uh, you brought a young man defensively, David Griffith. There's a reason that um, you brought him here. What makes him so special, and why is this defense going to be better next year? You know, Sean, I think if we can – and, again, I'm not trying to really make excuses, but we lost a bunch of guys last year. And the problem was is that just the consistency and having the same guys and preparing each and every week. And, 
going through the who's going to be ready, who's not going to be ready, this guy's going to be ready, then he's not ready. And, you know, so we just went through a lot of that last year. And uh, the good news is, however, we played a bunch of guys. And I'm sure you could have used that redshirt rule last year. Definitely could have used (laughs) it. But, you know, we played a bunch of guys, so we have those guys back. I think kind of what we saw happen kind of before our eyes last year is we gained confidence as the year went on offensively, and we lost some confidence as the year went on defensively. But what I'm encouraged by, if you go out there and watch us practice and you come watch us practice in the spring and scrimmage in the spring, by no stretch does our offense – dominate our defense As a matter of fact it's the other way around a lot of the time so i think we have the players over there i think we have the coaches over there for sure and i think it's just a matter of really coming together as a unit like i said we came together a little bit quicker on offense than we did defensively but i think we have a chance on defense well and and i tried to stay as pot you know we talked every week tried to stay as positive about the defense last mm-hmm. year but because i knew those those young guys were out there there were some good stories and i'm looking at a guy right now preseason depth chart a guy like a Rashad Harding who I mean I don't even know where he was coming into the season on the depth chart but I mean right now he's listed you know right there at the mic I think they're at the top I mean what a great story he was thrown into pressed into some action last year I think Rashad's gonna be a really good player he was part of that that signing class that that we had that rivals ranked number one he was a part of that and uh as was Travion Webster who you know, we started Travion at safety last year and left him there because of the injuries, but he's a linebacker, so we've been able to move him down. And uh, another guy, too, that I thought did some good things last year that looked really good in the spring is Austin Holly. Mm-hmm. He's another kid that was a part of that class. And, uh, you know, look at the two kids from Neville. I mean, look at Bunny and Strader. But, you know, in in a perfect world, you don't get chunked out there immediately and, uh, you know, expect to, to be playing in there or whatever, but I can't say enough about them because they kept competing. They kept playing hard. They got better and better. And I tell you what, we went out there this spring. They're playing to get some good wideouts every day in, you know, their game now. I mean, they've done kind of been there and done that, and, you know, they're out there getting after our wideouts each and every day. And so I think it's I think it's going to be a good situation for us. But those some of those guys that were out are coming back. Colin Turner, Logan Latin, you know, Nick Ingram. How how have they kind of are they all back 100% now and ready to go? Marcus Hubbard. Yeah, they're progressing. They're they're progressing good. Uh uh CT uh, Colin, you know, came back and was able to come back in the spring and uh Nick Ingram still working back. Luke Ketrick still yeah, working back. Uh you know, Logan had a really good camp. Is unfortunate he got hurt in the second scrimmage, you know, right before camp and then so CT moved in, uh, Colin did, and so he's the guy. And then Southern Miss, he goes down. So when Hubbard came back, Hubbard's a corner, but we threw Hubbard into that position because we had lost two guys. And like I said, it just became a, you know, we played Roy Williams at safety, who's a corner. So we were able to move Roy back to corner. But it was just one of those years. Like I said, it's uh, it's going to happen. It happens in, in athletics and, uh, you know, in football for sure. And, you know, you got to put the next guy up and, and, and stuff. So, But hopefully we'll – stay a little bit, have a little more luck on the injury side this year, and then we'll see what happens. Coach, uh, a lot of the preseason prognostications, take them for what they – Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.